Welcome to the How to Be a Minimalist podcast. I hope that you enjoy the show and that you get something out of it that will help you to live a more minimalistic lifestyle. This is episode number 121, Cleaning and Organizing for Better Productivity. Hey there, minimalists. I hope you are having a good day today. Josiah, I have a question for you because I found an interesting article. Before we get into all of the regular business. Okay, let's hear it. Do you think that you are more creative in a messy space? Or in a tidy space? Definitely in a more tidy space. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, uh, don't say anything else. Nope. Don't okay. say anything else. Okay. We'll get more into oh, it later. All right. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, actually, you can give your article or your uh, your argument or your reason Well, I, I just don't um, know why you even asked me the question. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I just, I can't function in a messy space. There you I go. Feel way more... Uh, creative. Well, I don't know if creative, but I, I I feel like my brain works better in a more tidy space. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, all will be revealed. <laughs> Let's get into oh, some okay. of the other stuff. I just was curious about that. Uh, and we'll talk more about it in a minute. So as far as YouTube and all of the podcast business stuff goes, if you are wanting to become a patron, check the links. That's where I've got extra episodes that are archived as well as exclusive episodes for Patreon for five bucks a month. You can get access to that. Also, I have a new YouTube video out. It should be out like actually right around the time that this podcast episode launches. It is a what I eat in a day. I'm plant-based. So if you are trying to figure out more meals that have vegetables in them or uh, fruits, dairy-free, things like that, check that out. But also I have really been trying to include a lot of personal stuff in there. So I made these macrame plant hangers and I potted up some plants and things like that. I also showed footage of our RV park and, you know, different things like that. So would would you say that's a fair description of the video, Josiah? Yeah. Yeah. You always make, if you haven't checked out Katie's YouTube channel yet, you, you really should. I would, I would say it's better than the podcast myself. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's just there's something about your oh YouTube gosh. channel it's so great. Well, thank and, you. And you know you're she's close to being monetized on YouTube and you know a lot of people can't become patrons and this is the best way to support the podcast. I mean all you got to do is click subscribe. Really. That's true. And um and you're not bad to look at either so. Oh, my thank you. So if you want to see like ooh, I wonder if I can get a, you know, peek at Katie's kitchen or whatever, different things like that. Or if you want to see Oliver, (laughs) our doggy, I talk about him a lot. It's all that stuff. I think those are little snippets that I'm trying to share more of on YouTube that I think make the videos. They're not just like what I eat in a day or whatever. They're really, I mean, they are about the food, but they also have enough in them. I think that if you're curious about that other stuff, that's where you can find that if you're interested in looking for that. For my goal to read 22 books this year, I have been getting a lot of books read. I um, finished reading The Happiest Man on Earth, The Beautiful Life of an Auschwitz Survivor by Eddie Jaku, which was amazing. It was so good. I lightened things up, though, by following it up with N or M by Agatha Christie. And I am currently reading The Wim Hof Method, which is, uh, let's see, the subtitle is Activate Your Full Human Potential by Wim Hof. And it's fascinating. It talks a lot about like cold showers or the benefit and the benefits of that sort of thing. He's got some breathing and meditative techniques and stuff like that. So that's interesting. Those snippets that I've told you about are interesting, huh, Josiah? Have you mentioned that you are taking cold showers? I have not yet mentioned that, but I am taking the cold showers. 
it's you get to take the warm shower first, but you're supposed to end with cold water and it's supposed to activate and constrict the vascular system. So it's, <laughs> oh, it's, so it's funny. a little intense, but it's fun. And like, I actually have felt that it has a lot of benefit. I feel energized and different things like that. My, yeah, I think it's good. My dad sent me the book, so he's always sending me interesting things like that. Do most people read those kind of books and like, like, well, that's really interesting. And they just move on with their lives or most people like you start taking cold showers. You <laughs> know what I mean? No, I, I just, if I read something interesting and it makes sense, like this is very scientific. It's not just some weirdo thing. Like I always thought those polar swimmers were just trying to be crazy. And I heard that there were a lot of benefits, but I never heard anyone explain why and how it works and what is scientifically happening, happening within the body. He does explain that stuff. So it makes sense. And like, why not try it? Even if I don't do it perfectly or whatever. I don't know. What do you do when you read a book like that? Do you try this stuff? Uh, well, am I a weirdo? I, step one is read the book, and I haven't, I haven't done any self help books. I'm not sure I've ever read a self help book really? or any kind of book that's not like fantasy uh, or something. So maybe I, I'll, I am I'll, an I'll get back to you on that one. Okay. Well, what about articles? Do you ever read something and you're oh, like, oh yeah, that's interesting. It, and it does try inspire it? me to change. But um, I've never read something as, as drastic as that you know i've it's always something that's opened my mind and changed my opinion or opened my my mm. eyes to new ways of thinking or doing things but never quite like you i don't think i've ever done anything quite like that also for my goal to spend some time each week doing some soul filling activities i took myself on a picnic and it was very nice. I just drove to a little walking path that had a bench and a little picnicky area, and it was very nice. So, getting into the main body of the podcast here, I was recently reading some articles on decluttering, and I came across a study from 2013. I've seen it many times, it has been referenced many, many times. Basically, the study is that people are put into either clean or dirty or messy rooms, I should say. And they're given different tasks, like filling out a questionnaire or building something with ping pong balls. And it's interesting to see that the people that are put in tidy rooms tend to make like better food choices or different things like that. And the people in the messy rooms created more interesting structures out of the ping pong balls. The conclusion is that messy people are more creative people. I don't agree with that though. Like, isn't that so different being put into a messy room that's not your own that you don't have to live in day in, day out and just be like, oh, I can do whatever I want in here. So of course it's very freeing and you would be more creative. I think they should study people in their messy houses hmm. and see if they're more creative than people that are tidy. But that's why I asked you at the beginning, like, do you think you are more creative in a mess or in tidiness. So they, they, they deduce that people who are in a messy environment are more able to be creative. They rotated people through, right? I don't. That's where I need to look up the actual study because I've read tidbits. It seems kind of like a flawed study. Why? <laughs> I've <laughs> heard that many times too, details, which is... But... One of the reasons why I never actually took the time to go look up the exact article, because I heard a lot of arguments about like, whoa, but how does that make sense? It is interesting, though. And it's I guess it's interesting to think about, like, that makes sense that if you have access to a whole bunch of stuff or if you feel like, 
you know, even I'm in this messy room and I don't have to clean it up. So I'm going to make the craziest ping pong ball thing that I can make up. Like there are no consequences to being in someone else's space versus your own space. And my experience with mess is that I end up with lots of projects that are unfinished or Mm. projects that I maybe leave out for too long and then I become bored with and I don't want to finish them or different things like that. And I've heard so much of that from different people that I feel like the article, it's it's used a lot to argue against minimalism if you're a creative, but I, I feel like it's wrong. And I kind of wanted to talk about that today because I think it's interesting. But doesn't it mean that the, unless the designers in the study have given a definition for creative, you know, they, they can't mm-hmm. define, they can't, their study is meaningless. Like, what does creative mean? Really? And right. who's to say who is not creative and who is more creative? I mean, if you're more organized, does that mean you're less creative? Like, what does that mean? Who looks at two things and says, this is more creative than that one? It just right. doesn't make any sense. Surprisingly, though, I have seriously seen this pitted against tons of minimalist articles many times. Like, this is what the champions of maximalism use, it seems like, this one study. And I think it's from 2013. I think it's interesting to think about because, you know, like I create all sorts of things from food. I create handcrafted goods. I help the kids with all of their homeschool projects and their art and different things like that. So I think I facilitate a lot of creative things in our home, which is an RV, and it would never work as well if things were not generally put away and gotten out and different things like that. Like, I feel like keeping projects out as long as you need to in order to complete them is important. But if you live in that daily mess, it just becomes chaos and a total nuisance. We do need things in order to be a creative, whether you are a digital creator or you are creating things for your classroom or whatever, different your your business, your work. We need to be able to create different things. And creator, that's, the, the, you know, going with what you were saying earlier, like being a creative person, like we are all creative. It just looks different to every person. Mm-hmm. But um, we all need to have enough medium that is our medium in order to create what we need to. It just, I don't think it's helpful to have it be a mess or have so much product that we are overwhelmed. Maybe there's something you said for not um, using your brain power to constantly organize. Mm. You know, maybe mm-hmm. maybe there is leftover brain power because I, I know, like I've said before, I, I have a tough time functioning in a space that's messy. And when I get to work, I'm I'm just my place has to be organized. And I do spend a good amount of my time making ensuring that it's organized. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's time that could be used for other things as brain power that could be used for other things. What about um, Mozart? Mm. You think he had a clean space? I have no idea. I imagine him being a complete mess. What about uh, Van Gogh? I just imagine that these guys lived in squalor. I just imagine that. And and it is true that they both consumed a great amount of lead and they were mostly crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not sure if he knew that. Did they teach you that when you were in school? Honey? some things you know in mozart's day they used to actually sprinkle lead onto the food because it made it sparkly and pretty and so they would eat it and that was part of beethoven and mozart's problem is they consumed so much lead it made them crazy so sad and van gogh he 
would eat paint chips when he oh. was painting. He had a oh, he had dear. a you know that's not good a bad habit of like peeling off paint chips and like just chewing on them as he was like working or looking off in the distance or whatever. And they oh, <laughs> it's just gosh. all lead. Your classroom it is very very tidy compared to every other classroom I have ever seen in my life and it, it's super tidy very organized and I, I know that that's something that you take great care to do you don't keep papers around for a long time you don't have the books in disarray like everything is nice and orderly you don't have an overabundance of decorations it's a really fun classroom though it's really fun and exciting and nice in there but it's definitely not out of order in your classroom. But you do have enough in there that I think does inspire creativity, but it's also meaningful to your classes. How does it affect your ability to be creative during teaching though? Oh no, it's not a problem at all. I mean, they we when you when you're working a room, you're it the it bounces off. The, there's there's a chemistry between the students and the teacher that just that doesn't matter what the environment is. It just, it works out. You can tell when it's clicking. It's almost like a performer. Like, okay, this is going real well, you mm-hmm. know? And mm-hmm. the clean, I, in my experience, I mean, I don't have a test. I don't have a vari- variable, a variability. I don't have any test group or anything. But in my experience, the students function better in a place that is organized. And comfy, it's got to be a mix of like comfortable where they lower their filter. A lot of students come in with what we call an affective filter. It's all their life experiences that that knowledge filters through to get to their brain, to get to affect them, to to remember things. And that could be their home environment. That could be language difficulties. It could be past experiences. And that lowering that affective filter, in my experience, in order to make sure that students retain the information and, and they feel comfortable enough in your space to, to learn. I think that having a nice, comfortable, but organized environment is a big tool in mm. that. So I want kids to walk in and not feel like it's cluttered and messy. And I've seen a couple of teachers that were really bad teachers, really poor. Okay. They don't work in my building anymore. They're gone. And I hated walking into their rooms because it, what a mess. I mean, mm-hmm. absolutely a mess. And they, they they wanted to be good teachers, but nobody would walk in that room and feel like this is a good place for learning. No kid would walk in there and be like, oh, I love this place. They would all yeah. walk in and know like this is what the teacher's mind looks like on the inside. I think it's a big deal. Personally, I think it's a big deal. Of course, I'm not, I, I don't know. I don't know because I don't have a test case. Well, from my personal experiences, homeschooling the kids always goes better when it's clean. We try really hard to clean up our whole house every night anyway, but for homeschooling, it can be detrimental. If we do not have it clean, it will be a bad school day. It will take time in the morning to clean it up first. Like you can't do anything until it's clean anyway. And also it actually hinders my creativity or my, uh, my desire to say, yes, you wanted to paint that instead of draw that it's clean, so I will say yes, because if th- we're adding mess to mess, then I don't want to do that. And part of me wonders, like, okay, is this just because I practice minimalism so strongly now and I, I'm aware of these things or because I have had so many experiences with my kids where I've said yes 
to more mess when there was already a mess and it went really poorly. I don't, I don't know which one it really is. It's probably a combination of the two, but 14, 15 years ago, I played the piano. Um, I was an accompanist at high school and that gal was so overwhelming to work with. It was very short lived. She kept on, she didn't even know what she was doing. She didn't know what her kids were singing. She didn't know what souls were going to be played. She kept the last day, like the day of the performance, she handed me like 50 pages of music to learn and play that day. And it was so overwhelming. And I I was so young and dumb. I didn't know how to say, I'm not doing that. You're going to have to play those. It was crazy. But her classroom or her music room was out of control. There was just music everywhere. It was so messy. And the students, they felt it. I remember one day she was like half an hour late and she left a note for me and said, here, you can start singing with them or whatever. So I started in a very orderly way, the way that I was taught to sing and to like to prepare to sing and all that sort of thing. The kids loved it. They were on board. They knew what they were doing. They were standing up straighter. They had their music out better. It was just a really interesting experience to see that. And she was actually kind of mad when she came to the classroom. I think she felt a little threatened. I wasn't trying to take her job, which I couldn't anyway. I was not in uh, music education but it was interesting to see that difference in how the students behaved under a different direction. <laughs> you hated that job. I hated it. That was the worst job I've we ever had. Quit. We should have quit both our jobs right then. We should have gotten to our Astro van and we should have driven around the country. We absolutely should have. I regret <laughs> we did not do that. We should have. Our lives would be better right now. We look back all the time and think like we weren't Speaking of living creatively, like we did not think outside the box. We were just like, okay, no. now, okay, we're married. Now we have to finish school. We have to and have jobs and we have to work hard and we have to have kids. Time to have kids. Oh, it's okay. We need to buy a house. Time to buy a house. We have to like live by everybody else's standards. Looking yeah. back on it, man, we had crazy opportunities and yep. took, <laughs> took none of them. <laughs> Yep, it's it's very sad to think about some of that stuff. Some of it's like obviously it's great. We've learned to be not nonconformist for for the sake of being nonconformists, but we have learned to follow our own path, I guess. No, we've it learned to super cliche. You're absolutely but... right. No, we've learned to follow no, well when you came to me in Spokane and said, Hey, got an idea. <laughs> Let's move out of our house and live in this tent trailer. And this is kind of before, this is way before RV living was yeah. anything. It's true. And it was the most radical thing. I, I was like, really? Because it was so not you. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I was time. so sick of it. I was we, so and, sick of it all. And it changed everything for us. Yeah. It did. It changed everything. And that was not just being nonconformist and being nonconformist. It was actually a growing experience it was like we grew together so i mean those months were up until that point the best months of our entire marriage yep and i think that's the thing when we are looking to be tidy organized minimalists it's important to to decide why we want to do things and and when we know we're living in a mess whether it is our lifestyle or you know, we're following a traditional path that is frustrating to us. It's okay to say, like, I don't need to conform to all of these things. 
understanding what helps us to be productive, creative people and living in a way that helps us to thrive is important. We've, man, we've talked about so many other topics that I didn't think we would even cover. It's a very in, an interesting episode today. I'm thinking um, now, but, real quickly, I, I yeah. don't want to extend this, but I'm thinking now about someone who spoke with you or a message that you saw. And we've, we've heard this from many people about how they want to live in a tiny house or they want to do try the RV lifestyle, but their parents say... Mm. Or their mm-hmm. in-laws say. And when we have discussions about it, I often think it's such, we're, we come from such a different place right now. I often think, why would it matter what your parents or in-laws say at all? Or why would it matter what these people think or your friends think at all? Like, does it, it makes no difference in our decision making. And it hasn't ever. At least it hasn't since we decided to do that. Since we've made a change. Mm-hmm. Um, we've had plenty of people say things like, what? You know, we have one of our very good friends when we moved in the RV. He said, "You won't make it till Christmas." I remember. <laughs> we should have made a really, really good bet on that one. <laughs> I still give him a tough time about that. Yeah. Um, but I think that that's the way that most people perhaps live, influenced very strongly by others around them, and eventually it it limits you so much that you you never take a risk, you never try anything that you think that's creative. Maybe even the moment you have that thought, you push it away because you're like, ah, I could never do that. Or, well, there's so many reasons why I couldn't. And a lot of them are, most of them are external. Well, I've said this before. It is so important to remember that whether you want to write a book or become an athlete or live in a tiny house, what you think, those little seeds of thought are so important to nurture and don't let other people, their opinions devastate them because they can just come by and crush that tiny seedling so fast. We have to be careful about who we allow to influence our thoughts because we we never know what our true potential is, the great things that we could do. There are so many beautiful, wonderful things that we can do with our life and even just minimalism. I, I can't tell you how many messages I've gotten from people that say, I was encouraged to be a minimalist by hearing your podcast, but it's been really hard because my family doesn't, they don't, they don't want me to be a minimalist. And it's amazing to me. Like, how could someone not want you to be a minimalist, to live more simply? Ultimately, if you're supportive of that person that wants to become a minimalist, they're going to make more time for you in their life. They're going to have more time for you in their life because they're not going to be cleaning up all the garbage and all this stuff and sorting it out and spending their money and their resources on all of that like you're you're actually hurting yourself by not supporting your minimalist friends and family yeah well even if it's not minimalism even if it's something else you know you you're the one who has to live with your choices you're gonna be the one when life is over you're the one who lived it you know you're the one who's gonna be dead so just live how you want Obviously not to the detriment of others. You know, when it's your choice, uh, make it because you're the one that's lived with the consequences. Absolutely. I think that's something that we've recognized and have grown off of. We're the ones that have to be able to look back and say, yeah, living in an RV for four years was tough or it was awesome or it was all the things that it is to live in an RV. (laughs) There's so many different ways to look at that because it's such a vast experience in our lives. But 
if we hadn't done it, we would look back with regret. I'm positive of right, it because it's something we example. wanted to do so badly. And we've had to be very, very careful and creative and, and think very differently about things in order to do it. But we've got to live with it. We've got to live with whether we did it or not. I think it's been a really good thing that we've we've taken the time and opportunity to do it. So kind of getting back onto the main subject that this was all ultimately supposed to be in order to support your creative ventures, whatever they are, I want to remind you that our spaces are tools and we need to utilize our spaces in the best way possible to make our lives easier. So I'm going through my sewing stuff and, and ditching tons of stuff right now. And I am getting rid of things that haven't really been useful to me. And it's been very helpful. It's helped me to be so much more creative in my process because I know where everything is. I'm able to pull out the things that I want really fast and get my projects done more quickly. And it's really essential in an RV. So that's been very helpful. I also think it's important to remember that like while getting rid of some things will also will benefit us. Sometimes we actually need to pull things into our lives in order to be more productive with whatever it is that we're doing. And sometimes as minimalists, that can make us feel guilty, like, oh, I shouldn't be getting this thing. I'm a minimalist. I don't ever want to buy anything ever again. But that's not actually true. We, we need to have the things in our lives that are beneficial to us. And I, I think that we've experienced that a lot of times where we did get something, but the more thoughtful we are about bringing something into the home, it, it makes it worthful or worth <laughs> worthwhile instead of worthless. Sorry, I don't you know, try to combine those words there. You can also take some time to identify what's keeping you from being productive. And this can either be p- people or ideas that are preventing you from reaching your full potential in the area you're trying to be creative in, or it can actually be your possessions or your space. It's not set up properly. It's not organized properly. So it's important to kind of identify those things and create barriers or figure out how you want to kind of mold your space or your lifestyle so that you are able to be as creative as you want to need to. Lastly, I think it's really important to create routines that help you to benefit from the space that you're in whether we're talking about your workspace or you, like at your actual job or your home and different things like that. If it's if we don't have some routine as to how we organize and tidy things up when we're done with projects, put them away, you know, those kinds of routines and habits it will likely be that we fall into disorder and that often leads to being less productive, less creative And then we have a big mess to clean up and we have to take a chunk of time to just kind of organize things over again. My minimalist challenge for you today is to pick one space that you spend a lot of time in, whether it's your workspace or a workspace at home. And how can cleaning and organizing make it a better space for you? How can you be more productive in that area? Thank you so much for listening. I hope that you enjoyed this episode. Remember, it's all about the experiences, not the stuff. And we'll see you next time.